Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Thank you so much, worship team. Uh, Thank you, Pastor Tom. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. Welcome to week two of Breaking Free and day one of 21 days of prayer and fasting. You know, we've got a lot that we are excited about for 2022, a lot that we want to get into this year, but we actually wait to get started on some of it to dedicate the first of our year to God to pray first. So we take 21 days in January and turn down the noise of the world, turn up the voice of God. And that's what this 21 day time is all about. I'll tell you more about it in the 21 day challenge uh, here in just a little bit. Uh, But then in February, uh, we uh, really get going. We begin our small group semester and other things that help us grow in our faith. So we're uh, getting small groups registered now and preparing for that time. And then those of you looking to join a group will have uh, signups for those starting in just a couple of weeks. A great way to connect with our church and with others. We'll also begin our spring uh, session of Foundations. We'll start that in February. Foundations is uh, it's a doctrinal class. It takes people through 11 core truths uh, to build your life on. Actually, it takes about 25 sessions or 25 weeks to go through it all, uh, but we break it up to go with the small group semester. In the fall, we looked at the Bible. We looked at the Trinity. This semester, the topics are really valuable as well. Uh, why did God create? What did he create? How did he do it? The truths uh, about creation that are foundational for our lives, the doctrine of salvation, so you can love God more deeply uh, because of what he's done for you, sanctification, growing in Christ's likeness, and then uh, we want to see in a new or deeper way your part in living out God's purposes for the church. So that's coming up. You'll have an opportunity to join us for this class on Sunday mornings or Tuesday nights uh, or um, uh, You can join with your small group and connect with it in that way in a number of different ways. So that's coming up there. Uh, But today I want to continue in Breaking Free. And in this week of Breaking Free, I I want us to discover that our God is faithful. That no matter what you feel trapped or held back in, God always gives us a way out. And he is wanting to break us free. We can break free. And then last week, uh, we set up this series looking at 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, that says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, so the battle that you and I are in, the weapons that we have, they have divine power to, say these two words with me, demolish strongholds. What do you do with a stronghold in your life? Something that will just not let go. It's so persistent and it will not let go. Well, we demolish arguments and every pretension. So anything that's pretending to be as strong as God or bigger than God, we demolish arguments and pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And this was the application point we looked at last week. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. 
And we set up the theology of this week, and if we were to look at every stronghold that someone might be facing in their life, this would be a 20, 30-week series. But the Lord is leading us to some specific areas, specific strongholds that the enemy might have on us. And the Greek word for stronghold, this is just the definition right out of any, any pastor's concordance is this. The stronghold is a prisoner locked by deception or someone living life by something that is not true. Meaning you've been lied to. And you've got to expose the lie and put in some good truth. And so we're picking strongholds or areas that Jesus tells us, that Scripture tells us, that, that they're the central strongholds. That, and we're going to attack the very central things, things that have held a lot of us captive and, and put some truth in that is going to help us be free. And today I want to deal with temptation and see where that, that leads us to something deeper, a deeper stronghold in our life than maybe that we've ever considered before. And so if we look in these, we're kind of rooted in First and Second Corinthians here in this series. If you look at First Corinthians chapter 10, you see this about temptation. It says, so if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. When you ramp up seasons in your life of seeking God, pushing toward God, this is why I'm doing this the week or day one of 21 days of prayer and fasting. Because the temptation, the enemy hates it. And the temptation is going to ramp up as well. What is temptation? If you want to write this down, I have a definition of temptation for you. Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction. You're going to like this. You're going to feel good. It's going to make your life more meaningful. You need this. It's, it's important. You can't live without this. But here's the catch. You can't obey God and have it at the same time. You can't obey God and do it at the same time. It promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. A moment of satisfaction, a thrill, a buzz, a high, acting out, followed by the shame, the regret, the consequences, and pain. Anything that promises satisfaction catches you can't obey God at the same time. And, and this temptation, this happens, for, we're often tempted. And I think from these verses here in 1 Corinthians, we see right off the bat several different things about temptation that we all need to know and understand. One of them is that a temptation in and of itself is not bad. It's not a sin to be facing temptation. Jesus himself was tempted. The apostles were tempted. No one more honest about it than the apostle Paul, just talking about the battle, the temptation that he was under. Everyone here in this room faces temptation. Never associate the amount of temptation you experience with your spirituality or how much you know God. 
just because you're tempted does not mean that you're far from God. So often people think though, but okay, well I can watch that, I can engage in that, I can do that, it doesn't cloud my thinking, it doesn't affect me. Well, what do we see in this passage? If you think you're standing strong, be careful that you don't fall. Many of the people that think they'll never stumble in that area are the ones who fall the hardest, the fastest. Another thing we need to understand as we approach temptation is we need to be reminded today that God will never, ever tempt you. God will test you in your life, but he will not tempt you to sin. There is a difference. There is a difference between trial and temptation. Why, why do you test someone with a trial? Someone is, is a junior in high school, and we test them. Why do we test them? We test them to promote them, to move them forward, to move them up. Trials are used by God to move you closer to God, to move you forward in your life. Temptations are used by the enemy to get you to sin against God, to move you away from God. A testing, a trial will move you more deeply, gets you to lean into God. A sin, temptation gets you to move away from God. God will test you. He will not tempt you. Satan tempts you to move you backward. That's a big difference. And we'll talk about the progression of what that looks like in a moment. But every time you're tempted to do whatever is disobedient to God, it is also an invitation to depend on Christ. Because on your own, you can't say no to it. But whether trial or temptation, every temptation is an invitation to depend on Christ, to lean into Christ. And when you are tempted, God is faithful. There is a way out. How do we find the way out? Well, in order to understand this, I want to I start with the process of temptation. These are the steps that happen every single time before someone is tempted to do the wrong thing. These steps can take days, weeks, months, years. They could also happen in a matter of moments. And here's how the process of temptation, no longer how short or long it takes, this is what, hap- this is what we go through every time. Number one, it begins with a thought. It begins in the mind. That, that temptation is the enemy's attempt to lure you away. That's the best illustration of it. It's a lure. It's bait with a hook in it. And the best definition of a temptation is, is this lure in a fishing pond, and he casts it out there, and he puts it in front of your face. Come on, you want this. This looks good. Man, Had you thought about how easy it would be to just cheat on this right now? And it begins with that thought. And the devil will make sure you have an opportunity to really know or to do something you really know you shouldn't do. But he'll make it look so good he'll try to pull you away. And what happens next is you begin to fantasize on that thought. Fantasy. This is where we think, well, what it would be like if I did it? What would it be like? If I cheated on them, what would it be like if I drank that, if I ate that, if I slept with that person, if I bought that thing, if I watched that, if I did whatever? You start imagining how it would feel, what it would be like. And this is where it gets lustful in your mind or you're envisioning something. And a great way out right here is to 
change your fantasy. The way out is not to ever fantasize at all. It's to change what you fantasize about. My guys' small group did this one time. We, we sat around and talked about, okay, well, what's, what's a God-honoring fantasy? And, and we, we just had shared dreams about and a long-lasting marriage or the, the respect of our children or having the respect of our coworkers. And if you're fantasizing about great God-honoring things, the fantasy of sin becomes much less appealing, doesn't it? But if we continue to fantasize on sin, what happens next every time is we start to justify. Justification. We rationalize it. Well, my life would be better. Maybe it's really not that bad. Maybe that's not really what God meant. And isn't it interesting how we can rationalize, justify, uh, justify our sin to where we start taking steps toward it? This is why when most of the Bible, that when, when it talks about how to deal with sin, do you know what the word it uses? Run. It uses flee. You might say, no, I'm courageous. I'm going to stand up in it, stand up against it. No, uh, no. Real courage is saying, I see the hook that's in that bait. I see what's coming, and, and I'm out. I don't even care what all the other fish think. I'm, I'm gone. I'm out. And you run. So if you've taken steps towards sin, and you're really close, and you're taking a step towards something, and you're in this phase where you're thinking, well, maybe my life really would be better with this, break it off today. Stop it today. Get out of it today. Run, flee. If people in your life are warning you, don't be defensive about it. You'll never break free until you realize that the godly people in your life are for you. You'll never break free until you realize you're a child of God. He is for you, not against you. He's preparing a place for you. He wants you to finish well. Because if you don't stop here, this is where it does become sin. And that's the process is the sinful action. Where you take the bite. Now, if you are in church today and you find yourself in sin, God does not go, uh, get out of here until you get it together. That is not his approach. We can approach his throne of grace find mercy in our time of need. That is from the Bible. Don't get all discouraged. You can still turn around here. You can still, t- that's why you came today. Like everybody here, like do not think you are alone today. Everybody here is struggling with a temptation. Everybody here is a sinner. And we are here to turn to repent, to turn to our God, to find mercy in our time of need. And I love that there's a piece of confetti falling right now. <laughs> That's just beautiful. But here's the ultimate warning, okay? Because if you don't turn to God and find it, like this is, actually isn't the end of the process of temptation. There's, there's one more. Because sin, when it is full born, put this up here, leads to death. And you might say, well, isn't that a little severe? But scripture says when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. At the end of the road of sin is death. If you don't repent, there's death. 
There's, there's an eternal separation from God. In this life, many times, there is physical death from the choices we make. Remember, the reason death is even part of our story is because of sin. When sin entered the world, death entered the world. But there's all kinds of death we experience with, when we fall into temptation and we sin and when we don't turn from our sinful action. There's relational death, there's emotional death, spiritual death, financial death. The Bible says, do not go there. And the enemy is making it look good. And he wants it to make it look good to where you sin and then to where you think, my life's over. I can't turn this around. I can't tell anybody about it. I can't come back from this. And your life starts to die. And your life starts to separate from God. And we know what that looks like. And, and, and we get to where we try and quit. And we try to turn it around and we fail. We become increasingly hopeless and our hope dies. And so what we've got to do here is we've got to, when we're struggling with justification, we've got to magnify, maximize the consequences of our sin. Uh, of when, when the enemy's trying to get us to justify, this isn't a big deal, you won't lose that much, you've got to, man, just sit down. Friend, I have, I have sat down and written out what would happen in my life. Man, what would happen to my church family? What would happen to my family if I did that thing, if I sinned that way? And we just magnify the consequences, what we would lose, what, we would, what would die in our life if we sinned and if we don't turn from it. But where does it start? It always starts with a thought. And we need to recognize what happens in these first moments of temptation are more crucial than we ever uh, could have imagined. And we've got to decide ahead of time, knowing that we're going to be tempted, knowing that it's coming, how to resist temptation so that we don't fall into something that hurts the heart of God and that is destructive to us and to others. So what, what's the lie? If the stronghold is by living by deception, by something that's not true, uh, what's, what's the lie? How does it begin to control our lives? And when you can't break out of it, when you can't break out of the lie, there is, uh, that is called an addiction, where temptation brings the to a sinful action that you can't turn out of, you can't break out of. As much as you'd like to, you can't turn it around. A an addiction is anything that you do that you don't want to do, but you can't stop doing it. Anything you do, you don't want to do, but you can't stop doing it. it it's something, that we all have something in our life that if it weren't there, you'd say, if this weren't a part of my life, uh, my life would be so much better. If this weren't a part of my life, my life would be m more godly. We know it would be better. We know it would be more godly. We know there would only be benefit from not doing it, but we can't stop doing it. And it begins to control our lives. Anything that I continue to do, what I can't stop. Uh, last week, I made the illustration of the elephant who's been trained with a chain around its ankle to keep it in a place or keep it in a vicinity. But after it's been trained that way or grown up that way, all it takes is a small rope around the ankle to keep it in that place, to keep it in that vicinity. And it could easily, with half its strength, break that rope and be free, but it thinks it's the chain 
and it's living by life by something that's not true. And friend, God has broken your chains, but we live in a prison of deception. We live addicted to something that we, it's a pretension. We think, it, we think it's much stronger than it really is. And look at what the Bible says here in Romans 8, 1 through 2. It says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and of death. It, breaking free. The Spirit can set you free from the law of sin and death. Now, I, w- I want to tell you, before we move on here, two things that you may not have known about addiction. And they may surprise you. Uh, I didn't put them in your notes. I just wanted to show you this. There's room to write it in if you like. But every time... This just comes from studying that every time in Scripture someone was held captive and any time I've helped anyone with an addiction, uh, there is something other than God that's gripping their life or part of their life. Every stronghold has its root in this word that, that I'm going to show you. And that word is idolatry. It's, we are not just dealing with our temptations and our addictions at the physical level. It's gotten to the heart. And it's taken a place in our hearts. And idolatry is anything we allow to sit on the throne of our hearts other than God. It's when you have an inordinate, an out-of-order relationship with a thing And it has power to control you. Now, I'm telling you this because uh, as we walk through the steps here of of breaking free, or we talk about how how to find relief, uh, you got to know what we're pushing back on, what we're pushing against. Uh, Because it's the opposite of this thing that's going to be the solution. And we're dealing with idolatry in our life. And you say, well, what do you mean? I've never bowed to a, a brass thing or a wooden thing or an idol. I don't have an object in my house that I'm, that I'm worshiping or bowing down to. But it's not the, the, the issue in your life, the addiction, it's not just a habit. It's a love. It's not just a temptation. It's a passion. And whatever we fall in love with, we worship that thing. We prioritize that thing. We imitate that thing. And whatever we Im- imitate has the power to entrap us. And we're a slave to whatever is on the throne of our hearts. And you'll find yourself so frustrated with the, with the temptations, the problems in your life, until you dethrone the idol. And what I want to do in this series is show you, as we move into the different topics we're going to discuss over the next few weeks, I want to show you that this stuff is spiritual. And like worshiping money, there is a spirit behind that. There's a God behind that. And the, the, the problems in our life, physical issues in our life, the sexual temptations in our life, these different things, there is something deeper than you ever maybe could have imagined. And that is why the first thing we've got to do is put God first in every area of our life. 
This is the definition of salvation. Salvation is the moment you reorder the things that you love where Jesus is at the top. Jesus wants to be Lord of your life. Lord means he's the highest name. He's the ultimate authority. This is why the first of the Ten Commandments is this. Exodus 20 verse 1. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, You shall have no other gods before me. He says, this is who I am. This is what I've done for you. And I am the Lord. Have no other gods before me. Christianity is not a perfect life. Christianity is not a sinless life. It's a life where you say, Jesus, take the place as number one in my life. Here's how the New Testament says it, 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, set Christ apart as Lord. In your hearts, set Christ apart as holy, acknowledging him, giving him first place in your lives. Set Christ apart as Lord. And you read through the Gospels, and Jesus is on a mission to be the number one saving peace of your life and he approaches every other area and says, I'm number one above your family make me number one in your family in your marriage in your life in all these areas so let's get more practical here what can you do to make sure God is on the throne of your life to make sure Jesus is Lord and you will find that all other gods all other loves all other addictions have to bow when you do this when you give God the first of everything God blesses whatever you put first. When you put him first in that area of your life, God blesses it. I, I, it's true. I'm telling you that from my testimony. When I put him first in my marriage, he blesses my marriage. When I put him first in my money, he blesses my money. When I put him first in my family, he blesses my family. He recognizes it. He sees it. He blesses it. That's why we're just going to put them first at the beginning of the year. Say, God, we're dedicating this to you. It's why we do 21 days of prayer and fasting in January. Uh, I just put him first in every area of your life. It's why you're here Sunday morning at 930, first part of the week, and God sees it, recognizes it. You're putting him first in your week, first in your time, first in your talents, first in your treasure. Number two, what do we do? We've got to say no to the flesh. You can't overcome addiction until you learn the art and discipline of telling your flesh man no. What's your flesh? What's your flesh man? Okay, you are a three-part being. You you know this, that that there's not just one part to you, there's multiple parts to you. You have a, a spirit that when you believe in Christ, Jesus brings your spirit to life, and he purifies, cleanses. It's it's why you can be made right in the sight of God, why you can go to heaven. You also have an emotion, a soul. It's your emotions and your will. So you have a spirit, you have a soul. But you also have your body, which is your flesh, your flesh man, that has its own set of cravings and desires, and it's just constantly screaming at at us. In fact, all three want to be in charge. And they're in charge whenever we feed them and let them have their way. 
And when you learn the art of denying your flesh on a regular basis, what I mean by that is every once in a while, you've got to tell the body's desires, cravings, say no, no. You, you look at something, you're, you say, you know what, I can't tell who's boss here in this relationship. Is it me or the food? Is it me or the drug? Is it me or the phone? Is it me or the thing? And are all of those things bad? No. What I'm talking about uh, here is saying no to where the spirit part of you is in charge. The God-led part of you is in charge. Romans 6, 12 through 14 says, Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Don't, don't, let, don't let just your cravings, your appetites, your desires call the shots. You'll obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God. This continues on in your outline. I didn't get it on in the screen. But it says, as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. And then it finishes with this, for sin shall not be your master. Well, how do you do it? How do you get to a place where sin is not your master, where your body's not calling the shots? Galatians 5.24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have learned how to moderate harmful things in their life. <laughs> Those who belong to Christ Jesus have learned how to, how to put that in its proper place. No, those who belong to Jesus, to Christ Jesus, have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and its desires. You don't work on your addictions, you kill them. You don't work on, on, on this stuff, on your problems, on the temptations that override you. You, you kill it. You crucify it. This is what I love uh, about the Celebrate Recovery process is it gets to the root of our addictions and it, up, it uproots them. It, it, kill, it kills them so that we can break free. Because here's what I know. What I starve dies. You can write that in. Whatever I starve dies. It's the biblical principle of crucifying the flesh, of setting aside things that the body has said uh, I, I need this. I got to have this. I'm calling the shots. It's breaking the, the addictive behavior that a lot of people in. And, and some of you have never stepped into this prayer and fasting time in a challenging way. And, and the powerful thing about fasting is even if you're not battling against food, the food fast, there is something powerful about it that it helps you break other addictions, other problems, other issues. Like I've learned that Man, I'll start a food fast for a period of time if I'm dealing with a relational conflict, if I'm dealing with a, a, another issue in my family or a problem or a health thing, and just lean in to starve the world, to turn down the voice of the world, to turn up the voice of God, and to lean into God. It's a biblical principle of crucifying the flesh. And it's time to tell the body, it's time to tell the soul, ah, ah. You're not in charge. You ain't having that. 
And that's bad English, but it's really good preaching, okay? You got to tell the soul and body no. And here's the last one. And this is going to sound so cliche. Like I needed to come to church to hear that. I know that. But this is it. To push back on the idols in our life. Number three, I've got to go all in with Jesus. You'll never get the best of God halfway. I talked with someone back in December who um, told me, you know, Ryland, at the beginning of the year, uh, you challenged me to go all in. And he says, I, I, went, I went all in with my church family. And um, quite frankly, I kind of even forgotten that I even like chal- you know, challenged our church to do that. Or I, you know, I didn't know who'd maybe taken up that challenge or whatever. But he said, man, if you preached it, I listened to it. Like, you said, join a small group, I joined a small group. Growth track, serving. He says, uh, uh, working these things, working this stuff. And he says, I just went all in with Christ through, through my church family. And he said, I've been looking at pictures of me from a year ago. I've been looking at stuff I was writing, things in my life from a year ago. Stuff that my family was di- different, uh, different with and how different it is now. And, and maybe you've just never taken, a, like a year all in is better than a lifetime on the fence. A year with the heat turned up is better than a lifetime lukewarm. What, what do you got to lose to test it on a year? Scripture says, go, Scripture says fix your attention on God. And I'm so excited about 21 days of prayer and fasting because I feel like my attention is all over the place. Everything's vying for my attention, demanding my attention. Fix your attention on God. 2 Corinthians 5 says it this way. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, go all in with Christ. Live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. You've got to say no to some things. Whatever I starve dies. But watch this. Whatever I feed thrives. So take the next 21 days. Whatever I feed thrives. Feed some things that you need to thrive in your life. Here's the challenge. Here's the 21-day challenge that I'm giving our church. Is Jan- starting today through the 29th, have 21 days where you pray through a prayer outline every day. What's a prayer outline? It's in the Pray First book that you can grab on your way out today. It's by the tables, by the doors. It's got about half a dozen prayer outlines in it where you could pray through like the Lord's Prayer. Several different prayer outlines that it teaches you. But spend time in prayer every day. Participate. It's prayer and fasting. Participate in a fast. Now, last week, at the end of the message, I communicated these different types of fasts and what they are. You can find that on our website as well. Now, I'm not going to tell you exactly what to fast, uh, that, that I'm calling our church to a fast. You're going to have to call yourself to what type of thing you're going to pull back from, take a break from, fast from for 21 days. And then join us for three nights of worship. Come back tonight at 7 o'clock for a night of worship and prayer. It's going to be powerful. It's going to kick off the 21 days of prayer and fasting right. 
tonight is our student service. And students, have, they've, they've let uh, this be a whole church thing. So our whole church is going to come tonight, everybody. And we're going to even have students lead us in some of these things. It's going to be powerful. You're going to love it. Come back for two more that will guide us through this time. That's the challenge. If you're in, make a commitment to it. Like I'd encourage you on your communication card, just put I'm in or put 21 day challenge and let me know that you're in on it and I'll pray for you during the 21 days. But make a commitment here on day one. You got in on this on the ground floor. Make a commitment to 21 days of prayer and fasting. I've done my best to resource you during this time. Uh, the resources are this Pray First book that's out there. Let's go to the next slide, please. The, a daily prayer emphasis sheet that will give you a different emphasis each day. Bible reading plan through First and Second Corinthians. And we've put digital versions of all of that on the website and all and on the app. Come on, take 21 days. Go all in. Don't let this time pass you by. Let's go all in with Christ. What area have you not, have you reserved, held back that Jesus is not Lord in? And give it to him. Let's pray. Well, God, I believe that for someone in this room, this was a life-saving message. That they are in the process somewhere of temptation. And Father, I pray for every person uh, who's going through a trial, a testing. They're exhausted. It seems relentless. Give them the courage to say, okay, God, what are you teaching me? What do I need to know? What do I need to learn from this? And then let them graduate and move on. But for the person who's going through a temptation, God, I pray that they would let the words of Scripture today, this teaching, save their life. God, thank you that temptation is not too much for us to handle. And give us courage today to take the right steps, to take the way out, to give you our whole heart. Jesus, we thank you for saving us. Thank you for making a way for us. God, you knew that as the, the best we could do, we're still fallen. We're still sinful people. And we need to be saved. And God, Christianity is not about something more for us to do. It is what you have done and you have saved us. And so God, we give our lives to you wholeheartedly. We say, be our Lord. God, we surrender our life to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.